welcome back. Last time we read in chapter 4 that Peter and John had been threatened by the Jewish religious leaders for preaching Jesus Christ and, the, and his resurrection. Peter and John went and told the other apostles of the threats, so they gathered in prayer, asking the Lord to grant them boldness to continue to speak God's word to the people. We read that God had answered their prayers, as we read in verse 31 of chapter 4. It says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So now let's finish reading where we ended last time in chapter 4, and we'll continue through to chapter 5. In verse 32 of chapter 4, it says, Now the multitude of those who believed were in one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that they had anything he possessed was his own. But they all had things in common, and with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there any one among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds to the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each one to as every anyone had need. So we see at this time, the good news of Jesus Christ was being preached, and God was adding to the church daily. God was growing his church. They did not proclaim a dead Christ, but a living Christ, proclaiming Jesus Christ had resurrected from the dead and is still alive, reigning at the right hand of the Father. God was opening the eyes to those who were being saved. And the response of their salvation was love and unity of those who believed. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35, By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The fruit of being spirit-filled is love for one another. The fruit of the Spirit during the time of the early church was definitely evident by their love for one another. They understood that all they had possessed was not their own, but were blessings and gifts of the grace of God. Because of the love of God in them, they shared their belongings with, with other believers. They even sold land to raise money to help fellow believers by giving it to the apostles so they could distribute to those in need. Now let's continue in verse 36. Then Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Well, Barnabas, as we saw, meaning encouragement, which is the name the apostles gave him. Why? Because he... He was such an encourager to the fellow believers. The Christians must have spoken well of Barnabas, which may have created envy, as we will read in chapter 5. So now, let us continue in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it and, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. 
But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. A few things here. Here we have Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, also sold land. But they had kept back part of the proceeds, but made it look as they gave all the proceeds to the apostles. There was nothing wrong with keeping part of the proceeds or even keeping all the proceeds. The problem was that they pretended to give all the proceeds to the apostles as to look spiritual or wanting the intention like Barnabas had received. I believe many today still want to feel or look spiritual. I believe many people pretend to speak in tongues just to fit in or wanting to look or feel spiritual. And how many people get baptized, really not understanding what even what baptism symbolizes, but they want to fit in again or they want to feel spiritual. You know, we can fool others by lying or by acting spiritual. But as we see with Ananias and Sapphira, they were not lying to men, but to God. We need to fear God, not man. We need to be more concerned what God thinks of us rather than what others think of us. We also see when Ananias and Sapphira lied, it was Satan who filled their heart to lie. And lastly, when Ananias did lie, he wasn't lying to men, but he lied to the Holy Spirit. We see that in verse 3. And in verse 4, Peter said that, Ananias, you did not lie to men, but you lied to God, revealing that the Holy Spirit is God. Now let's continue with verse 5. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon those who heard these things. And a young man arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yeah, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look. The feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon the church and upon all those who heard these things. The church of Christ was, was just beginning. The church needed to be pure. And to keep the the church pure, the church must practice church discipline, as we read in Matthew chapter 16. Well, who was the first one to apply church discipline to the church or in the church? It was God. God killed Ananias and Sapphira for lying and pretending to be spiritual. Why is it so important to practice church discipline? Well, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5.6, that a little leaven leavens a whole lump. It keeps sin and hypocrisy from spreading. What was the outcome of God bringing judgment on Ananias and Sapphira in the church? Well, verse 11 says, So 
great fear came upon the church and upon those who heard these things. It brought the fear of God on those who heard. The fear of the Lord is a good thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 9.10 Only those who truly converted dared join the church. And let's continue with verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them. But the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out of the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least a shadow of Peter passing by might fall upon some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities of, to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So we see that the fear of the Lord did not hinder the growth of the church. The church continued to increase with multitudes of men and women. We also see many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. So why was there so many miracles and healings? Because the same reason why Jesus Christ did signs and wonders and healed many. It was to validate or make evident that the message being preached by the apostles was of God. Now let's continue with verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them into common prison. But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. The religious leaders had warned the apostles not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. As we read in Acts chapter 4. Remember, Peter and John responded to the Jewish rulers in Acts 4, 19 and 20, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. See, because of the apostles' obedience to God, they kept testifying what they seen and what they heard, and many were turning to Christ, causing the Jewish leaders to be filled with indignation. So they put the apostles in prison, but an angel of the Lord opened the prison and let them out to go back to the temple to speak the words of this life. The temple is where they were arrested. They knew the danger, but what is more important? Run and hide from the angry religious leaders who want to punish the apostles or to be obedient to the Lord and go speak the words of life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And being filled with the Holy Spirit, the apostles could not but speak the things what they saw and heard. And we we um, read in First John four eighteen and nineteen it says, "There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So because the apostles' love for the Lord and others." Fear no longer had any hold on them. 
Now, let's continue with verse 21. It says, and when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely, and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. The Jewish leaders were concerned what the outcome would be because they knew their position as leaders was in danger. Their hardened hearts could not see, and they denied the miracles God was doing to the apostles, that they were of God. The religious leaders loved their position as rulers and teachers rather than they loved, than they had for the love for the Lord or for God. Verse 25 says, So one, so one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. Yes, Jesus Christ's blood was on them. They were guilty of murdering the Prince of Life. As we read in chapter 2, verse 36, many were turning to the Lord that the temple guards feared the people. The religious leaders desperately wanted to shut the mouths of the apostles. This continued in verse 29. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So you see, Peter and the apostles boldly said, we ought to obey God rather than men. God's word has more authority than any man's law. Then Peter boldly proclaimed that the Jewish leaders were murderers, saying, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the Father as judge. So who is really the ones on trial? The religious leaders were the ones on trial. And they're going to have to give an account for their actions. In a trial, there must be witnesses testifying. Who were the witnesses testifying? It was the apostles. Verse 32, and we are witnesses to these things. As believers, we're still witnesses to these things. The purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit is to be a witness, as we read in Acts 1.8. And he said to them, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So who is this promise to? 
who receives the power and authority and are filled with the Holy Spirit? Let's read the end of um, Acts 5, verse 32. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. This is to those who are born-again believers. We are saved for a purpose, and that purpose is to be witnesses, to testify of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's continue, verse 33. And when they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill him. Then one of the councils stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people. And he commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take heed to yourself what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. Now after this man, Judas of Galilee, rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. Question, was Gamaliel's advice good? Yes, because that was exactly what they were doing. They were fighting against God. Now, was Gamaliel's advice true? I don't believe so, because we can look at Mormonism and the Jehovah's Witnesses today. Both started in the 1800s, and both are false, contradicting God's word. Yet. Being left alone, both religions flourish and are now both worldwide religions with millions of followers. So why does God allow false teachers and false religions to flourish? Well, we read in Deuteronomy 13, 1-3, it says, If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So you see, God tests us to see if we truly love the Lord. If we love the Lord, we will trust and believe his word. If we do not love the Lord, we will follow and trust the lie. Now let's continue with verse 40. It says, And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Didn't God know that when he sent the apostles to go back to the temple, that they were going to be beaten? Why would God allow his people to be beaten? Well, the church 
being the body of Christ, will suffer as Christ has suffered because the world hates God, so the world hates his children. We see in Philippians 1, 29 and 30, For to you has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Speaking of Paul, the suffering that he went through. And we also see in 2 Timothy 3, 12 and 13, it says, Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And Acts 14, 21 to 23 says, And when they had preached the gospel to the city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystria, Iconian, and Antioch, straining the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. So what was the response from the apostles after being beaten? Well, we read in Acts 5.41 that they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy of to suffer shame for his name. Did the beating stop the apostles from preaching? No way. They went back to the temple and daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus Christ, Jesus as the Christ. The Jewish people were waiting for the Messiah. So when they preached Jesus as the Christ, they knew exactly what that meant. May the Lord give us boldness to preach in public. As we saw, they went back to the temple. And to disciple those who receive the gospel. As we saw them going to house to house. And let us never stop preaching and teaching Jesus as the Christ. Amen. Until next time, may God bless you.